So the plant is ready, the camera is good to go, and we are looking today at Hebrews 12. Why don't I pray briefly as we open up God's word? Lord, I pray that individually and together as a church, you would speak profoundly and powerfully. And I pray for anyone who's watching who is wrestling with even your very existence, I pray that you would speak to them in a really significant way this morning. Amen. So the letter to the Hebrews speaks to a people that are amidst uncertainty and instability. Politically, things were a challenge. Economically, things were a challenge. The empire that they were part of seems to be falling apart. Their faith is struggling. So much opposition and so many things that seem to be just steadfast and secure are crumbling around them. Sound familiar? You see, in this time as Christians, we can so easily question whether our faith is able to sustain us and carry us through this season. We can question whether it's got the strength and the depth and our walk with Jesus is strong enough and deeply rooted enough to carry us and to face this continuing storm that we seem to be within. And what we want really as a church, what we desire is a faith that, as the passage we're about to read describes as unshakable have an unshakable faith. You might recall that in the summer, Mike Pilavachi, the senior pastor of Soul Survivor Watford, shared, and he talked about the fact that if he was to turn back the clock and to plan a year ahead before his pandemic, he would love to have seen his church and his own walk with Jesus built on more solid foundations so that when this storm came, when this pandemic arose, it would be able to sustain them further so their roots would be deeper. Isn't that what we desire, that our faith is unshakable? And when we think about the economy, the virus, the lockdown, the weariness, the associated challenges around loneliness, there's so much to make us feel insecure, to doubt our faith, to wrestle with and to question why we build our life on Jesus. But our desire individually and collectively is that we have an unshakable faith. The passage we're about to read is understood to be the climax of what is meant to be a sermon, the only full recorded sermon in the New Testament. And according to scholars, the different building blocks that we've heard about in different re- different previous weeks, climax now and uh, just pulled together in this passage that says, is your faith unshakable? You've heard about the fact that he's the high priest, he's the mediator, he's the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is a good, he's enough, but now is your faith unshakable? That's what we're looking at as we come into land in Hebrews 12 from verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying to Moses that he said, I'm trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. 
The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and reverence in all, for our God is a consuming fire. So this passage, as I said, builds on the different foundations we've heard. And we've repeatedly heard in the previous weeks that Jesus is enough. Just like the key to a good joke is timing. That one was for you, Ken McKinley. The key to our faith, the key to the challenges we face, the key to enduring this season and this pandemic has to be Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The hope is Jesus. The foundation is Jesus. The security is Jesus. Jesus is enough. Jesus is the solution. And that is what this passage is pulling together and saying, is your faith unshakable as you live and build your life on Jesus? And it compares the two cities and the Bible could easily be called the tale of two cities. The two different worlds, the two different covenants are held in stark comparison. You see, in verse 18 and verse 22, there's a deliberate comparison between that you have not come to this world, but you have come to this world, comparing the two kingdoms. And the word here that talks about you have come isn't a word about geographical change of coming and going. It's about God moving. It's the full spiritual weight of God's presence meeting with creation. It's about how we embrace the spiritual realities of life. It's a word with rich with spiritual meaning and emphasizes the spiritual closeness and eternal presence of God. It compares Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. You see, Mount Sinai was a terrifying sight, burning like a volcano, dark with clouds, roaring with strong winds. And at the foot of the mountain, the voice of God could be heard as Moses was up there receiving the Ten Commandments. We see that throughout the story of the Old Testament as he discovered what it was for the people to be a holy nation. But they couldn't approach the mountain because they would die if they touched it. It was overwhelming and unapproachable. You see, when God meets the presence of his people, when he meets with creation, all of creation shakes before its creator. At Mount Sinai, the creation shook and humanity joined with creation and trembled with fear. God's people shook. They would be struck down if dead if they touched the foot of the mountain. So it's understandable they would be a bit shaky. The people had begged to escape God's presence. Even the mediator Moses, the key leader Moses, trembled with fear. God's presence made them tremble with fear. Why is this? I coach a football team in South Edinburgh, my son's team, he's six, and I've recently started coaching there. And in the last few weeks, a new coach has joined and I've been there a few weeks. I'm a pretty good coach, to be honest. And, you know, I used to play church league football, so very high level. And a new guy came, his English isn't particularly good, so I thought I'd help him out and gave him some ideas, some advice. And then at the end of the session, he left. And the head coach came over to me and said, you're Andy, you know who that is, don't you? I was like, no, no, who's that? He goes, honestly, you know who that is, don't you? He's a professional player in Europe. He's just got back. I was like, ah, he probably wasn't that inclined to use my advice and my support. I was trying to help a guy. But when you're in the presence of greatness, you realise your place. You realise how insignificant you feel in the presence of holiness and greatness. Now, of course, that metaphor has limitations, but it puts us in our place when we are in the goodness and awe and majesty of God. 
when God's people came to him, they realized how mighty he was, how powerful he was, how good he was, and how sinful they were, and they trembled. But you see, at Mount Zion, something significant has changed. While the presence of God meeting creation still causes its, people, its creation to shake, we no longer shake with creation. That's what we read in this passage. Why we are no longer just part of creation through Jesus, we get called to be children of God, God's eternal kingdom, which shakes the whole earth. It's now our home and our inheritance. As verse 28 says, we get to receive the kingdom of God. We no longer come with fear and trembling. He presents himself and we embrace his kingdom. We're part of this kingdom that cannot be shaken. What does it mean no matter what we see shaking around us, what is insecure around us? We are now unshakable. We're part of this unshakable kingdom. And we see really three ways in this passage that we can be described as unshakable. And I have to say, as we look at this passage and I've looked at commentaries, I believe that these three ways are deeply significant and profound and challenging to meet us. If we can grasp these and if we can embrace these as Christians, I think God is going to do something truly magnificent and powerful through his people. The first we see is we have an unshakable identity, but we are secure in Christ. You might have found in this season that you're more irritable, you're more tetchy than normal. You might find that you're more sensitive or impatient or easily frustrated. You might feel discouraged at times. You might feel frustrated that you're struggling to find a job or that your anxiety is increasing. You might feel lonely and low. But this passage is you're not defined by what you do or don't do. You're not defined by what you have or don't have. You're not defined by the loneliness you acutely feel. You're not defined by the anxiety that's around you. But you're defined by the fact that your name is written in heaven. That Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant between you and him. But we're the chosen ones, the church of the firstborn. That is our identity. Brown in his commentary says, Conscious as they are of political instability, social pressures, economic hazards, religious apostasy, physical hardship and moral decay, they do not despair. Their trust is in God and they are safe. We can have an unshakable identity and security in Christ. When everything else around us is uncertain, when everything else around us can make us feel weak or insecure or not good enough, our identity and security can be rooted in Jesus. I'll never forget a mentor of mine, Richard Harvey, who was CEO of Aviva, 60,000 employees. He was a Christian. He said what he looked for, what he aspired to have was a relationship with Jesus that no matter whether he was on the front page because Aviva was collapsing and things were diabolical or whether he was hugely successful, but he would be steadfast and secure and level-headed. That's what we desire, to have an unshakable identity and security in Christ. And secondly, we can have an unshakable joy. The passage before the scripture we've read today describes that the people were having drooping hands on weak knees. And this was familiar terminology in Jewish literature to describe despondency. And I wonder how many of us this morning are feeling weak or tired or fed up or having drooping hands and weak knees. I'm sure it's a familiar feeling for many of us. I know I can feel lethargic and fed up. But you see here, there's a sign of God's presence. The angels are there. And God's presence is not only shattering, it's also infinite joy. It's a joyful assembly. The 
term here in Greek actually means a wild party. As we are part of God's kingdom in the now and not yet, we realize that there's an eternity with Jesus and a joy that surpasses human understanding right now. But no matter what goes on around us, we can have a joy based on Jesus, rooted in Jesus. It's this wild party. What a description. Wouldn't you love to be described as someone, even amidst this storm, who's having a wild party because you're having joy and intimacy and you're knowing the peace within Jesus. You see, this isn't happiness based on circumstances. For many of us, life looks quite bleak at the moment. But that's not where this joy comes from. Our joy is rooted in Jesus, an unshakable joy rooted in Jesus. Not happiness that fluctuates, but joy that is steadfast. I love looking at the life of Paul, someone who was shipwrecked, who escaped prison, who faced death numerous times. If you read in 2 Corinthians 11, the hardship he went through, yet he was still content, joyful, worshipping God. He had it harder than any of us, to be frank. Yet he was still a man of joy and peace and contentment. We have an unshakable identity and we have an unshakable joy. And thirdly, we have an unshakable future. We live with an eternal perspective. It says in this passage that we form a community now as a foretaste for life in the future of how we live and behave. See, now we are church members by faith, but one day our names are written on the roll of heaven city. We are with Jesus forevermore. We have an eternal perspective which shapes how we live now because we realise that our time on earth is so minimal in comparison to eternity with heaven. And it changes what we value. It changes what we perceive as important. I've been reading Hudson Taylor's autobiography recently. Sorry, it's biography. And it's a remarkable book. And it talks about the fact that at 21, he left Britain to go to China. And he went on his own. And he said goodbye to his family, knowing he'd never see them again. He broke off an engagement because the lady didn't want to go to China with him. On the boat, he endured hardship after hardship and escaped death, literally. He got there and was beaten up at times. He was constantly praying for money because he was without money. But he went for it because he had an eternal perspective. He realised that what was important wasn't the values of the earthly kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven. It affects how we use our money. It affects how we live. It affects how we make decisions. As we think about just Christmas, we think about the care projects, we think about the things we want to do in our city for the broken, the needy, the vulnerable. It changes how we live today as we have an eternal perspective, an unshakable future. As we, as God's people, come to Mount Zion, this hill on the edge of Jerusalem, with people called to the eternal city of the living God, This new covenant is to approach God and live with him forevermore. Whereas before the holiness is terrifying and unapproachable, now the holiness is welcoming, cleansing and healing. And it gives us an unshakable security in Jesus. An unshakable joy that's not based on circumstances. An unshakable future that we can live with eternal perspective. What a witness that would be if we as God's people live like that. I love the old hymn that said, on Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We root and build our lives on Jesus. What does it mean for me, for us to have an unshakable faith, a secure identity, an eternal perspective and a deeply profound joy? 
I've often talked about the fact that tightrope walkers are able to walk on a tightrope knowing that the key thing is they keep the head level and look forward. They look to the right or to the left, they lose balance, they look down. If they look behind them at past things, then they, they fall off the tightrope, but they have to keep looking forward. Our unshakable faith is when we look to Jesus, we build our life on Jesus, when we have our joy, our security, our identity, our eternal perspective, our eternal hope built on Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray now that in the homes of the people of this church, you would come upon them and just supernaturally gift them with an unshakable joy, an unshakable peace, an unshakable hope, an unshakable identity. I pray that where this is a struggle and this is hard to accept, this is hard to live out, I pray that right now you would come upon your people. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.